Hello, and welcome to another Sports Nextel podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, March 24th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Pretty well, along with a little sheepish for uh, counting on your grace to push back our time a little after you mixed up the scheduling of tonight's Team Canada World Cup game. And despite pushing it back, just napping longer and not using the time as productively as I would have liked, but also hoping that post-nap clarity puts me in the perfect place uh, to record a nice podcast with you. Yeah, I, uh, I misread the initial time that I saw, I just quickly glanced at, I saw seven, didn't realize it was 7 p.m. Pacific time, mm. regrouped on that. And uh, yeah, I'm doing, I'm going to do my best to make it through the game. Um, it might just be the adrenaline if, if they're in a good spot, but this could be it. Uh, this could be the, the first time Canada qualifies for the World Cup since 1986 uh, they're in Costa Rica, so definitely not an easy task ahead, but you got to imagine the momentum's behind this team, and I'm really pumped, and uh, I thought it was going to be at 7, a little tougher to, to tune in now that it's 10, but it did allow us to push things back and make sure that we're raring to go for the pod. Hey, shotgun the Red Bull, snort a couple lines of coffee grinds. This is the biggest game in the history of Canadian soccer. Oh, you've got to catch it. <laughs> oh, okay, I was going to say. It sounds like you're firing yourself up to catch a minute. No, no. You'd like If I was a soccer fan, I would be, but you're the soccer fan here. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, besides soccer, we're actually not going to talk any soccer on today's podcast, uh, but we do have plenty of other uh, stuff to get to, including tennis, hockey, basketball, football, baseball. We're all over the board, just a little bit of uh, everything in this one, and I mean, let, we'll kick it off with, with a little bit of tennis talk. I know the Miami Open is uh, set to be underway, as well as some shocking news. And Max, I'll leave it to you uh, to, to kick us off. Yeah, I can't think of how many times in the world of sports this has happened. The un, pretty well unquestioned current number one in the field, in the prime of their athleticism and career, uh, stepping away from the sport, Ash Barty making it official yesterday, um, putting out her own, I thought, really well, interestingly done retirement interview through a friend and um, co-worker. Uh, the world number one in tennis, having won the most recent Grand Slam at the U.S. Open, um, winning Wimbledon in 2021 winning the French the year before that, 25 years old. And she decided she'd had enough. I don't know if you watched the interview or how much you heard about it, but a really fascinating statement. Um, roughly a couple of lines stuck out to me. Essentially one that having fulfilled my childhood dream, the thing I always wanted to do, which was winning Wimbledon. Um, that gave her a very different perspective on things. It wasn't quite there yet, but winning the Australian, then winning your home country's Grand Slam, um, an event which just 
brings the magnitude of the sport so much higher in Australia, I believe. So winning such an important event that you take pride in as an Australian tennis fan on home soil felt like the perfect feather in the cap, the perfect high note to go out on. And lastly, just a statement that keeps ringing through my ears. Um, I know this sport so well. I know what it takes to be number one, the physical commitments, the emotional drive you have to get have to get there, what that takes out of you. And I know I just don't have that in me anymore. Um, we're going to talk about this Memphis-Brooklyn game later in basketball. And one of the things that was discussed frequently during the game is the few games Kyrie Irving has played you cannot play at perform at the level he's playing at without practicing every single day. Um, we'll get to that, but just a parallel to draw of you, you can't, there's no rest days. There's no off time. There's you're always in fight camp, however you want to say it. Um, being the number one on a stage takes such a toll out of you and to have the emotional and mental self care and compassion, um, to recognize you're at your limit and step out gracefully on a high note on your own terms, I think is a really impressive and beautiful thing. And it, it, I think it's kind of pioneering. I, maybe there's some sports nerds out there who can come up with five different examples of something like this happening. I don't know if any sticks out to you, um, but overall just, impressed with the situation despite the sadness of losing a great in the making because as great as Ash Barty has been in the last three years I think five years from now um, the WTA will have moved on that's I don't know how long that name will linger and I don't think there's anything wrong with that or that that should cloud the decision too much I've rambled a lot now I want to hear your take yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated here. The spot where my mind instantly goes to a sport that has a lot of people leave during their athletic primes is football, right? Uh, the two biggest cases I would say on that side would be Andrew Luck and Calvin Johnson leaving either right in the prime of their careers or near the tail end of their prime in careers that had them on a trajectory possibly be hall of famers in calvin johnson's case he still is going to make the hall of fame andrew luck probably not um those guys were a little bit older a little bit more mature compared to ash barty so fascinating to see uh the similarities there in just the physical toll that has been applied to them and that is usually the main reason in why people uh end up leaving a sport just they cannot keep up with the uh, demand anymore. I find it curious that at 25 years of age, she does have the self-awareness and the self-compassion that you mentioned for her body to, to really step away. And I, I just don't believe that this is it. And as much as she says, so when you have that competitive fire in you at a young age of 25 to step away, you could say that for now. I believe there's going to be an itch to come back at some point, just once she realizes the rest of her life's not excite as exciting as what it's all cracked up to be. We just saw this with Tom Brady, who is like 
maybe at the absolute summit of what you think of when you think of competitive fire and someone who should have maybe retired five, six years ago, but continues to push limits of what we believe is possible as athletes. And he was gone for three months, not even. And then went, wait a second, I'm still not ready to be done with this yet. And so I could very, very easily see Ash Barty coming to a similar conclusion there. Uh, but really shocking to say the least that we've lost the world's number one tennis player right now on the woman's side. And just kind of like that. Uh, I don't believe this is the end of her career, but yeah, so weird to, so weird to see. Yeah. I think you raise a good point that you don't really know until you've said it out loud, walked away. And for some athletes, they need to experience the tick of the calendar, look at the events they would have been competing in as a spectator and feel that itch to get off the couch and go join. On uh, Tom Brady, it seemed just the thought traumatized the man back into another year in such a ridiculous career. And I guess the unique thing about tennis is with the rankings, you can definitively say a world number one, whereas football, so many positions, so many stats, so much harder to do. Um, yeah, I... I think also what you described is very possible and probable. But, and the other comeback that came, made it come to mind for me was George Foreman. Um, just, I guess, a, an all-time unique, great number. I don't know if anyone would ever put him number one in the way with Ali there and whatnot. But um, a guy who stepped away kind of in his prime and was able to come back and the break was necessary for the mental rehabilitation to do so. Um, so maybe the door open for something like that. That certainly could be a hell of a story. And the self-care and love she's showing through this process makes me think that if she did make such a decision to come back, it would be in her own time at the right time and give her the best possible chance of success. So maybe that's something to look forward to for Ash Barty fans, but until then other projects, which are to be named also going on in the tennis world, uh, the Miami open has been going on since yesterday now and will continue until April 3rd. Uh, we're just through the first round, so all the players with buys uh, having skipped and not played yet, that action kicking off uh, after tomorrow. Excuse me, some of the matches still just wrapping up for today to finish out uh, what the second round of the draw is going to look like. The big story for this is uh, no Rafa. Oh, the the mantle for who is the number one player in the world right now is not really up for grabs. It's clearly Rafa when he's healthy. We'll put an asterisk there for if he's healthy as well, but until that's determined to be a no for the French, uh, he has that title undisputed. The number two spot up for grabs, as <laughs> as has so been the story so consistently for all these players for all so many years. Okay, after Djokovic, after Rafa, who is it? Um, and this draw, basically a chance to settle that out. 
um, a lot of storylines here. Tsitsipas, Zverev, kind of embarrassingly short runs at Indian Wells. Medvedev getting upset by Malfi and losing his number one spot after holding it so quickly. Monfi looking to build off success. Chapeau, Felix, our Canadians didn't do, do too great. Rublev did all right. Uh, Cam Nori had some nice success. Carlos Alcaraz, this kid continues to be a stud. So excited to see what he can do. Um, I didn't really get too much into draws and predictions, but those, some of the names at the top of my mind going into this. So expect to hear more about how those players have done. I don't know when our next podcast will be, but uh, there will be certainly lots of tennis talk about what's going on in Miami there. So look forward to that. Till then, we'll move on to some different sports. Uh, Talking hockey kind of all over the place in our schedule on the pod this week, slated at the number two spot today. Oh, what have you got? Yeah, so in the kind of come down from the trade deadline, we did have a bit of action this week, but the main story still to me is off the ice. And this is the first time in recent memory I've seen a player of this level and a blunder of this magnitude made by a front office. Max, I don't know if you know the story here on the Dadanov trade, uh, but really fascinating stuff. <laughs> and because of paperwork issue, a trade is not issued between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Evgeny Donatov had a no trade clause that included the Anaheim Ducks. Vegas uh, offered to the NHL that they were never made aware of this, of who is exactly on the list by the Ottawa Senators and were under the impression from Ottawa and Dadanov that he had waived this no trade clause. Um, but in fact, if they had done their full due diligence, they would have realized that it was still present in the contract. And so he gets traded at the trade deadline to the Anaheim Ducks. Paperwork comes out. And in fact, he is unable to be moved because he never waived his no trade clause in time. Um, so he is back, set to go on the ice tonight for Vegas, does not get moved. And a really fascinating thing here. Um, Vegas is a team now that we know is all about cold, hard, calculated business when it comes to the moves that they've made, the most notable one, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury in the last offseason. But hard to believe a team so focused on all of the uh, business aspects and making those cold, calculated plays could miss a detail like this. And I mean, everyone makes mistakes. I do it every day in my job. But one of this magnitude that loses out on them making a deal for uh, some cap space, some cap relief that they really need half their team seemingly on LTR, LTIR right now and out of a playoff spot. Uh, that's a big mistake to make. And they're going to be in really tough with other teams. If they try to make any more moves here to free up some cap space, because they still, you still can make trades. You just the players that you acquire after the trade deadline cannot play in the playoffs. Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. Maybe some awkward eye contact next time Dad Danoff is in certain rooms. Uh, everyone makes mistakes, but that's why we have people to double check things when we're franchises worth millions of dollars. Billions, for sure. Um, yeah, and 
it's going to make the price on him much lower because now teams know that they're trying to move him and it's going to make the price much higher for anything they try to get because of the cap space that they have stuck. I think they have about $14 million in cap space tied up between Mark Stone and Alec Martinez uh, in LTIR that they won't now be able to bring back until the playoffs unless they can somehow move to Dadanov. And like I said, they're in the thick of a playoff race. So uh, interesting to see what ends up happening there. On a lighter note, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs released new jerseys this week um, in a collaboration with Justin Bieber. They've been the talk of the town here in Toronto. Uh, a reversible jersey. That is a relatively new concept, at least in the hockey world. And Max, I don't know if you've had too much time to take a look at these, but if you have caught a glimpse of them, no, zero at all. Yeah. All right. This well, is I the first time hearing. Oh my gosh. Well, I would encourage you to pull it up quickly while you have the chance. Uh, I got to say, I'm a fan. The You're a believer. <laughs> oh, I definitely was back in the day, but the, the black jerseys with the blue maple leaf, I think it's pretty solid. I mean, black jerseys were really, really popular for a stretch there. And then I do, the longer you look at the jersey, the more you appreciate it. Kind of the, the skyline uh, detail on the sleeves and then the reversible part I think is really fun and a lot of people many demographics above us Max not big fans of this but if you're trying to build a fan base of tomorrow like this was for the next generation game then it is a perfect person to collaborate because Justin Bieber's brand is much bigger now with the younger demographic than the Toronto Maple Leafs brand is especially worldwide so growing that new generation of fans, this is a great way to do it by selling a jersey that is unique. It flips over into that yellow and black, which a lot of people say is the Bruins colors, but really like who cares? I thought it was pretty unique there as well. Um, Matthews and Marner flipped them over into the yellow jersey last night when they went around for the all-star or for the stars of the game skate. And I think it's a cool concept and it's a great move to make to partner with a guy who, uh, is immensely popular amongst your fan base and is popular amongst the guys on your teams. Like I, it was a fantastic tweet and forgive me, I forget who wrote it, but I want to make sure they get credit. Um, it was, if it can keep Austin Matthews in Toronto, you could slap a Tim Beeb right on the logo over the Maple Leafs. Cause who cares, right? Like he is the most valuable guy we'll probably ever have in the history of our franchise. And he's great friends with Justin. And so if that helps him stick around, then so be it. And I thought it was a cool Jersey and it really hit home with the demographic. It was flying off the shelves at real sports. So um, I think savvy move by the Leafs. And for those who don't like it, <laughs> I mean, sorry, you're a grown up. Like it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, I think also um, the first thing that jumped to my mind seeing the reversible is that that is so great for Bond hockey. Um, like, that's such a fun, nice thing about basketball. Just you make your teams and you flip the jerseys and yeah. not that it's ever really been a barrier that I can think of. Yeah. Um, playing ODR, I've been like, wait, which who, he's got a red jersey, he's got a blue jersey. I, I, you don't normally get confused, but... Uh, 
way for all the rich kids to roll out, feel some cohesion. Um, and yeah, I guess the yellow, just the color of Justin Bieber's brand. So that's how that ended up happening. Um, yeah, you laid out your case well enough that I don't think there's any objections left. And yeah, the black ones do look pretty cool. So nice. And they won last night and they got a big win over the New Jersey Devils here. Uh, so still just trying to fend off the Boston Bruins who are nipping at their heels and um, maybe looking to pass Tampa Bay. There's a all three of those teams within two points of each other right now in the standing. So really, really tight race in the Atlantic. And anything that keeps Canadian musicians connected to Canada and not just turn them into American citizens. So there's that too. <laughs> nice, nice. Good final point there. All right, we're done with hockey. We are into basketball and Forgive me, I did not catch a minute of this game, but Max is going to give his thoughts on the Memphis Grizzlies and the Brooklyn Nets. League pass continuing to try and get my value out of that. I think we're close on that 75 bucks at this point with the however many games I've watched, but had enough free time to try and figure out what the best game of last night was. And I don't think I picked wrong at all with this Nets versus Grizzlies game. Um, the second seed versus the eighth seed in, sorry, excuse me, the second seed in the NBA versus the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference doesn't sound that enticing a game. But of course, stats only tell so much with Kyrie and KD both pretty much cemented in the lineup for the time being now with uh, the city of New York releasing the vaccine exemption for athletes. Um, I did see an interesting post on Reddit oh, or like linking to a tweet saying Kyrie's whole thing was about like solidarity with workers um, kept out by the vaccine mandates this exemption doesn't really address that so interesting to see if he continues to play but i think he probably will just the gut feeling but anyway um this game basically an entire team versus two players basketball a game of runs a game of momentum back and forth the first half mostly memphis's the pace of play they forced on the nets with their turnovers their offensive rebound the beautiful ball movement in transition just let their entire team flourish melton going off dropping 20 um just half a second of time and space seemed to be enough to lock him in from the three that one of the highlights i haven't gotten to see too much of this uh, memphis team so that along with the defense of Brooks that he put on, the three-point shooting of Bain, um, just the beastness of Adams in the paint going off on the offensive boards. This team is just fun. Uh, they were after it in the first half. And Kyrie and KD somewhat effective. They definitely dropped well over 40 points together in that first half. Um, but then they kicked, picked it up to an even higher gear in the third. Um, they tightened up on the offense, cutting out a lot of the things that were giving that run and gun to Memphis. Kyrie and Katie just hit another level, um, being both unguardable, one-on-one, -on -one, able to make any shot they tried to create from the mid-range ISO and the court awareness pass vision too deadly for double teams to have much an effect of an effect. 
And they come back from being down 18 to take the lead briefly. Uh, going into the fourth quarter, a tied game, I usually give the edge to the team who just came back recently for having the momentum because then that can be so deflating. But uh, the coach of the Grizzlies, the name's passing me at the moment. Um, also Jenkins. Passing, oh, Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah, yeah um, I, in that uh, interview they do right before the between the first and second and third and fourth, it just so happened we got to hear from Jenkins. And he basically said, yeah, our team got a little loose there, but I know we'll tighten it up here going into the fourth. And that's exactly what happened. Basketball, a game of runs, a back and forth, who can push on the gas pedal for longer, but there's only so much gas in the tank. And when your tank really only consists of two players, that holds extra true. You would see Kyrie and KD get in their half-court offensive set, explode for five seconds, create a fraction of open space, and nail it with terrifying precision. But then they had to get back on defense. And then in the help rotation, just a step behind. And against a team that has such great ball movement, that locked in um, that step behind too much open space for a team that plays five as one. Um, and that just allowed for a little better offensive consistency. They didn't slow down offensively. They kept making their shots. They kept creating. Uh, they were moving the ball well, but the just less options, less versatility is going to lead to a few more missed shots. Uh, you saw the turnovers start to pick up again. Uh, it's just two incredibly special players can still only take you so far. I think Kyrie dropped 43. KD was definitely in the 30s, over half their team's offense, ridiculous things. And I know this team will be better with Seth Curry. Um, Andre Drummond alone, you saw a huge effectiveness in this game, just a player who knows how to score when given half a chance with the gravity created, I think, um, Curry is that breed of player mills is that breed of player even though we had an off night um bruce brown does a really great job of that but this team just it's never really had a period of stability <laughs> it's either they seem to be the best team in the league or there's injuries there's drama there's something holding them back and i don't think the identity is there um, and it, it was still such a fun basketball game to watch, to see just two incredible offensive players bring a team back from that 18-point deficit. But I'm so grateful it wasn't enough in the superstar era um, that team basketball won out, and yeah. it, it was a wonderful weathering of a storm and finishing performance by the Grizzlies without their friggin' MVP caliber player in John Morant. You would not believe this team that dropped 132 points was missing that much offensively. Yeah, you make, the, make a great point there at the end that I wanted to jump in on was it is kind of two opposing styles of team building. You've got your stars plus whatever on one side and they totally decimated their depth in order to get James Harden and then had to turn and flip that around into Ben Simmons um, who feels like he is really the key missing piece of this team. But on the other it's side, be playoffs, 
yeah it's well, gonna be playoffs when he comes back i don't think he's coming man. back based on the epidural yeah. news that's yeah his back is messed up for real so interesting but then on the other side you do have memphis a team that now has developed year over year and accumulated all of this dearth of talent one through 15 that you can go without John Moran. And we saw it really early on in the season when he missed like 10 games there and they were They're really 15 effective and two, him. 15 and two without him. And this is what we saw as Raptors fans a couple of years ago when Kyle Lowry would miss a game or Kawhi Leonard would miss a game. The team just kept on chugging, kept on clicking. And that's what Memphis seemed to do. And it, they really exposed a key weakness here in Brooklyn. Like I mentioned with them missing Ben Simmons is they don't, Bruce Brown is not that guy, but they are missing a perimeter stopper. And Kyrie Irving did a fantastic job against James Harden, but he's not going to be your perimeter stopper night after night in the playoffs. And so even though it wasn't John Moran, it was DeAnthony Melton. It was Tyus Jones. It was Desmond Bain, all guys who we've seen grow and develop in this Memphis system. And they all had really, really solid nights. And it's awesome for the Grizzlies to be able to share the ball around with a, a numerous amount of creators rather than just relying with the ball in, in one guy's hands, John Morant. Yeah, two really key plays I'd want to describe quickly. Uh, end of the second half, I think the Grizzlies had been up by as much as 18. The Nets whittled it down. I think it was a ballpark 10 points. Durant with the ball, last possession of the game. So Brooklyn has a chance to make it within single digits. Uh, one guy on Brooks, or excuse me, on Durant as he comes over half court. Anderson comes up looking to double, and Durant makes a sloppy bounce pass that Anderson's able to read as he comes up for the double steal, put it away, and uh, Memphis closes the gap. Huge moral victory there. Uh, fourth quarter, two minutes to go. I think uh, Memphis up by eight uh, with the ball able to get Clark ISOed on Durant in the paint and uh, Clark just bullies him, posts him up. Durant had, I, I can think of two or three blocks in the game, but after going all out offensively, he just had nothing left to give on defense in the post. Clark knows it and is so confident with the space he creates. Um, two really key moments I thought in the game, that post shot was the dagger for Clark, uh, let alone the turnover that followed it on the attempted half court possession. And just two instances of where at the margins, KD giving so much on the offense, um, slight drop in focus, slight drop in consistency. And these are the situations that are kind of starting to convince me Brooklyn does not have it to be a championship team with the roster they're going to be going into the playoffs with. We will get a better sense of it now with 10 games left and Kyrie being able to play each one of those 10 games down the stretch. Uh, we turn our focus to tonight where the Raptors have the biggest game of their season against the Cleveland Cavaliers, can draw even with them. Uh, with a win. So looking forward to that one. OG and Anobi back in the lineup here for the stretch run. We're going to finish up the show now here with just a couple of quick notes. Uh, first of all, in the NFL, another massive wide receiver trade. Tyreek Hill moving on out of the AFC West, who I just mentioned it was an arms race there, but uh, he saw a couple TikToks between Juju Smith-Schuster and Jackson Mahomes and said, I've had enough. Uh, he gets moved to the Miami Dolphins for a large 
package of picks, six picks totals going back the other way, uh, which is fascinating that the wide receiver market, they have just become incredibly valued uh, in this modern day NFL. And a Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle combination is going to be a sight to behold. Two of the most electric, fast, uh, take the top off your defense players uh, in the league right now. Waddle, of course, coming off an incredible rookie season. And there's going to be some excellent celebrations and some excellent yards after catch between the two of these players. Um, you do worry about Tua Tagovailoa, though, as a quarterback. He has underwhelmed. Oh, yeah. He has underwhelmed. And this is kind of the, the last thing here. Like We saw it in Denver, where they accumulated a, a great number of offensive weapons, and Drew Locke just never showed anything. This is going to be Tua's season to show something because they now have two really explosive players out on either side of the field for him to throw to. And so if he cannot produce at this point, then Miami is going to be stuck looking for another option at quarterback. It's a bit of a do or die situation because if he does under continue to underwhelm the trade value you can get for him um, just so low yeah. to address the needs then of a true bona fide starting quarterback and of course if he does excel if the good players make your young player better no need to do the trade so do or die yeah good luck Miami interesting to see and then on the other side Kansas City I mean as a fan of a team that is in their division this is almost as Merry great news. yeah this is almost as great news as getting Russell Wilson like Tyreek Hill has terrorized teams now for many, many seasons. He's just a guy that the ball could be in his hands and the next second he's running into the end zone. Like it feels everyone else is moving at a different speed than him on the field. And so not having to see him twice a season is awesome. And uh, I definitely Travis Kelsey's draft stock is going to plummet a little bit because of that in terms of fantasy drafts, because there'll be a lot more focus keying in on him now. Last notes here, Yusei Kikuchi, the Blue Jays' newest signing, uh, looked good in his spring debut against the New York Yankees, striking out the side to start the game, and he's just a, a fascinating player. Again, if he's your fifth starter, then the Jays are looking good. I have a really good feeling about this team, um, and they go out today, and they make a bit of a surprise move, moving on from Randall Grichuk, who is now kind of sitting around their three, who was sitting around their three, four spot on the depth chart in terms of outfield and a guy who gave a ton of effort every game was a great defender uh has his stretches where he is really hot and uh, a good heart and soul guy but they trade him to the colorado rockies where he'll have the opportunity to be a full-time starter and not fight for playing time and they bring in ramel tapia back from Colorado looks to be a better fit with this Jays lineup, that left-handed bat that I was talking about them needing um, not a power bat, but a guy that you could sp put near the top of the order. And with his speed, he can get on base and cause havoc and a uh, slight upgrade there in the outfield as well. So if he's your fourth outfielder, you can have him for pinch run situations or as well to bring in on defense. Um, I think that's a solid trade. And really this is about fit and doing right by a guy who's stuck with the team for quite a few years now. So best of luck to Randall Grichuk and welcome to the team, Ramel. And uh, the Blue Jays just seem to keep making moves to try and make this team perfect in time for the season. And yeah, I, uh, <laughs> 
I kind of wish I lived in Toronto now because you can buy these uh, packs of tickets for the month of April and go see like 12 games and it's pretty affordable and I'm going to miss out on that, but I will certainly be watching the games uh, as often as I can because they're on every night. <laughs> I might have to dovetail that with some sort of car rental program. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. It's possible. All right, that's going to do it for our sports buffet tonight. Um, we're going to log off here and go watch the Raptors fight uh, for the sixth seed against Cleveland Cavaliers. And then, of course, later tonight, Team Canada, this is it. Allez. Played myself again, taking a nap. I know I'm not crashing until midnight, at least with that in the bank. Uh, so maybe I will catch the soccer game. Mm-hmm. Sports Next Door, signing out.